Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama musical. Yeah, uh, it's the musical, another musical episode of Riverdale, because maybe they'll do that once a season now. I want to be very clear about something. Yeah? Very clear. Okay. I love musicals. <laughs> the reason I love musicals is because there's something very, like, organic and visceral about music. There's this uh, quote that has been bastardized across history, but basically the quote says, um, when emotion becomes too big for you to speak, you sing. And when it becomes too deep for you to sing, you dance. Yeah. And that's where musicals come from. Yeah. And I agree with that. I saw Come From Away on Tuesday, which was the most amazing musical I've seen in recent history. I see dozens of plays a year. And this is the first time I saw people spring to their feet, the entire audience, to yeah. give a standing ovation. Because there are some people who will give a standing ovation for like, yeah, and I don't. Someone like, made them laugh. I don't like those people. I'm like nothing against like you know you want to you know applaud for the people for the people of this age, of course. But I mean, come on, there's got to be an escalation. Yeah, save it for something magical. And this was magical. I have never, and it wasn't peer pressure. It wasn't people being like, "Oh, I have to stand up for the bows now because <laughs> oh, I can't yeah. see." Well, and also, yeah, what is like everyone says, you're like, "I'm the one jerk who's sitting." No, this I thought that was good, but not amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but this was like the entire audience was brought to their feet, and I didn't see a single person leave during the bows because that's the thing that people who don't see a lot of plays do. What? They're like, "Oh my god, I'm so clever. I'm going to sneak out. The play's over. It's just people bowing." <laughs> It's like people who go to uh, uh, sports shows, if you will, and leave where they're like, oh, this game is probably over. But there's no way this can change. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. So, come from away. Amazing, visceral, moving, tear-jerking, funny, heartwarming, because the songs were true to the experience of the characters. Yeah. And this is a big build-up to why I have a problem with Riverdale's musical episodes. Which is... They're just shoehorning some <laughs> songs that kind of sort of work. It effectively is a uh, is a jukebox musical, except for with the benefit of having a bunch of different things to choose from. And the problem is, it's a musical. Yeah. So these songs were written to progress a character's journey. It's not just a fun pop song that you can interpret any way you want. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is for the plot that it is already written for. So Glee does this fine. Well, because once again, they, they well, that's because they're jukebox, so they can pick a... They can pick anything they want. Yeah, they can grab the Madonna song because they have something like that. They can grab uh, literally anything they need that that where that song fits that person's feelings. Because songs are written to fit feelings. Exactly. Mm. And the thing with Glee is... A large majority of the songs are performances, and they're dumb kids taking a song that kind of relates to their situation and being yeah. like, look, let me express myself through song. Glee made a good decision of uh, hovering that line between diegetic and non-diegetic so that they could kind of do that. Yeah, and you know what? Even when it becomes like a dream sequence, it's still a kid being like, I picked this song because it kind of relates. <laughs> yeah. But this time I picked it in my head. Well, the amount of times that the song starts with everyone sitting in the choir room and being like, I chose this song. Because the theme of <laughs> the And week. now to sing this song. You'll get it. Don't worry about it. Unfortunately, with Riverdale choosing to do a single musical yeah. with songs that were written specifically for the characters in the musical, some of these things get real bumpy. Some of these things aren't like the others. I love musicals. And you know what? There is one song 
in this episode yeah. that super, super works. I might know the one you're talking about and we can... Half of it half super, of it works. super works. There's the one I'm thinking of. Half of it super, super works. And the other half is fine. The other half is ignorable. Well... <sighs> Oh, we have to give it like a warning before we get into this episode. <laughs> we are currently recording, and there is a birthday party going on upstairs for our brother, which we were not told about. <laughs> it is our brother's thirtieth birthday. Now, I'm not. I'm not clear that they knew it was a birthday. They just because when I was told about it about uh, twenty minutes before Aaron arrived to the house for us to watch the show, uh, I was told, "Oh yeah, no, some friends from my work are coming over, and we're going to do this." And then a lot of people kept coming. <laughs> And they just kept coming. And someone came with a cake. And, and there was some balloons. And their balloons came. And I'm like, you're having a birthday party. You're, what you're doing is a birthday party. Because we thought his birthday party was happening tomorrow. Because it is. With us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you might hear some uh, some dogs bark. You might hear some laughing. Just They're having a good time without us. Imagine it's a musical in the background. <laughs> it's a musical. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, this is... Season 3, episode 16, Big Fun. Big Fun. Which seemed like a dumb title, but it turns out it's a song from Heather's The Musical. Yes. Which I should have seen because my best friend stage managed a production several years ago. We would often... I was also in show... We'd often just, like, go for drinks and be like, oh, our shows. (laughs) So, great work, Past Aaron. Way to fail at your life. Well, let's begin with a bunch of, uh, uh, you know what, no, I'll say it this way. Let's begin with an adult making a really good point. (laughs) Hermione Lodge. The mayor of the town. Is outraged about the change of the musical because she's not sure that a song or a musical about murder and suicide is the best fit for Riverdale right now. Especially considering all the suicides and the fact that the last musical they did ended with murder. Mm, kids are really drinking a lot of poison right now. <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot of things that are going on. But uh, Kevin, who has wholeheartedly given in to Cheryl's... Demands. Demands. Very eloquently argues that, you know what, this is a song about overcut A song... Yeah. Well, it is a song, but yeah. this is a musical about overcoming things. It's a musical about nihilism and fighting against nihilism, the <laughs> oppressive nature of high school, and yeah, he, he says a lot of stuff, and then not so gracefully segues into we'll just think about the opening number, which we'll sing right now. Then he presses the, <laughs> the <laughs> boombox, and then he sings it because, as you know, Casey Cott's brother Corey Cott. I think, was on Broadway in Newsies, the musical, as a newsboy. I'm pretty sure Jack Kelly. So if Car- Corey Cott, I really hope that's his name. If Corey Cott can sing. Can't help you there. Of course Casey Cott can. And he always has to direct the musical. So let's give him an opportunity to sing. Yeah. Uh, that's then, definitely the reasoning behind this. Sure. Uh, then he sings and Evelyn, who's also there, sings because she's also in on the Heather's bandwagon now. I don't think she cares about what play it is, honestly. She just wants the farm to be involved in the musical. Yeah, and then, then they leave. And the great thing about them leaving is that it seems non-diegetic, clearly. But the the look on uh, the Mayor Lodge faces. and Mr. Weatherby's, Principal Weatherby's faces as they ch- chase them out 
is leads me to believe that these kids have planned a flash mob. Yeah. And they are playing the song over the intercom system. <laughs> yeah. So they can take a journey of the song through the school. Yeah. And like that leads to uh, Kevin using his magic abilities to force some other people to dance with him. Now, let's be clear. One of these people, me and Aaron, directly pointed out and said, that girl looks like Midge. And I will spoil this now. Later, they show Midge's dead body and she speaks a line. So it may actually be the girl who played Midge. They just did not disguise her at all <laughs> at all it might not be all i can say is that both me and aaron went that girl back there looks like midge she's also not very well hidden so they do some dancing and then we segue to pop tates where veronica sings so, i mean lines from the musical yeah so veronica's verse doesn't work great for her it should be a betty verse it's it's about her being like, oh, I'm waiting for that letter from Harvard or Brown or something. Like, I'm waiting for school. That's what I'm waiting for, the future. I, I want my Ivy League dream so I can escape this town. Yeah, and they they put it over her in her Pop Tate's garb, making her look like, like, oh, she's the struggling waitress. I'm like, no, she's the owner of the business who for some reason keeps waitressing. And she loves crime. And she loves Riverdale. <laughs> and she goes up to the door and puts up a help wanted sign for a... <laughs> bouncer for their secret speakeasy so that also speaks to what she has boiled reggie's contributions down to <laughs> bouncer bouncer well, and not only that <laughs> so is she not telling them it's for the secret speakeasy downstairs She's like like wait you're telling me bob tate needs a bouncer didn't you hear dolores had coffee thrown in her general direction <laughs> you'll also be uh bouncing for a secret speakeasy Oh, Le Bon Nuit. Yeah, we know about that. It's secret. I mean, of course it is. <laughs> so then we have a, sh a scene, a scenic interlude in the song, if you will, mm -hmm. where Jughead talks about how he's going to shut down the drug lab and stop his mom. Yeah, it's like, this is the way that we're going to deal with it. We got to find, she's got to be making drugs somewhere. That's the one thing I know about drugs. They have to be made somewhere, like a prison or a prison. prison or a biker bar. <laughs> Anyway, so if they find the drug lab, that's how he's going to stop his mom. And that segues into Betty singing the opening number. And this scene takes place in Betty's bedroom, which is now Jughead's bedroom. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, more singing happens. Uh, it's It brings us over to Cheryl, where once again, Kevin has just decided, yeah, man, I'm cool about Cheryl. She's really awesome. No, no. Before that happens, they oh. go into the classroom. Oh, and right. somehow... Oh, my God. Somehow, Hermione Lodge... <laughs> can hear all their thoughts? Yes, because they are singing the song in their heads. Now, once again, I understand musicals, non-diegetic, but it really does feel like Kevin enters that room, uses his magical musical powers to, to project the thoughts of these teenagers into um, Vera Lodge's head, because her response, just by talking, is, are you really all this miserable? And he says, we are, except for one person, and that's Cheryl. <laughs> Who is the most miserable? But she is the main Heather in the play. Yes. Uh... And somehow Veronica and Betty have transformed into wearing their Heather's costumes, which, by the way, again, I love musicals. I am filled with rage <laughs> by the amount of times these kids wear their costumes for their musical wherever they want. <laughs> Where is their costume designer? Who is doing this laundry? I don't know. What if they spell jello shots on their costumes and wreck them? 
I don't know. Who will clean that up? Who will replace the costume? Who is has a mind to the budget, Kevin? I know. I, I don't know, Aaron. No, nothing matters. <laughs> the what it really boils down to is that these songs are the trials and tribulations. Because it ends with all these all these kids going down the hallway and dancing. They're all having thoughts, and they're going to the theater, and they're and they're all doing like, oh, high school, high school. These like these would this would have worked better if the show was at all about high school and not about drug gangs because it's. It's not. If there's one thing Riverdale Riverdale's about a lot of things. It's about cults, it's about serial killers, it's about your parents being part of the mafia. It's not about high school. And there's this one weird moment where Reggie shoves one of the serpents in the in the <laughs> hallway and he sings a song about like or a line about beat it nerd and then either Fangs or Sweet Pea is like, Why am I so picked on? And I'm like, What? Yeah. What? What? Yeah, You're no. all friends. You watch the show. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of the moments that doesn't work non-diegetically because we know all the people's feelings, but they got to get it in there somehow. Also, like, the class battle is gone for reasons unknown. Yeah, that was a problem, and now it's not. Anyway, now they're in the theater. Yeah. And uh, Kevin has an important announcement. <laughs> Running the musical on his own with no teacher, mentor, adult director. Yeah. Is really challenging for him, and it leads to people being murdered. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I am d- d- uh, deputizing one of you as the person who'll keep people from being murdered. And I pick Evelyn Evernever. Evelyn, you're gonna be co-director, also person who makes sure people aren't murdered. And Betty pops up and goes, <gasps> "What?" But you always direct alone. <laughs> if we did not know the rest of what's going on in the world, Betty would seem like the worst human being ever. Because she's constantly just like going up to Emma to be like, why are you the director? I hate you. Kevin always directs alone. This is a ploy, isn't it? And Evelyn's just like, what? <laughs> I mean, luckily, like, we know Riverdale. Yeah, luckily we know Riverdale. I'm just saying that, that the actress who plays Evelyn plays like... What? So well. Because there's times where you're just like, oh, poor Evelyn. Well, and the thing with Evelyn is they style her. Like, she is a pretty girl, but they style her so much plainer than all the other girls. Yeah. You're just like, look at that poor nerd. (laughs) Why are all these pretty girls picking on her? So speaking of Evelyn, what her main co-director duties do is to take um, students through, let's be honest, just acting lessons. She is doing very, very terrible method acting nonsense now, let's be clear. that I don't agree with. No, Aaron, the the point when they're all lying on the ground and, and she's telling them to think about their emotions. Yeah, now you cannot lie to me and tell me you have not met a director who's done things like I that. I have absolutely done that and I do not agree with it. I I know, but my favorite thing is later when Betty confronts Evelyn and is like the stuff you were saying earlier, that's a clear cult stuff and I'm like I mean, yes and no. <laughs> it is a waste of everyone's time. You should not be spending rehearsal time going through Meisner techniques. Yeah. In rehearsal time, you explore the motivations of the characters. You, I mean, Aaron, let's. I mean, to, Aaron, <laughs> hold on a second. This is a high school production. Yeah. So you know what you're doing in a high school production in rehearsal. You're learning your lines, even though you should have learned them at home. You're learning your choreography. You're learning the notes of the song. At the high school that I went to, we in the very, very early, early auditions, they also just did like acting stuff because it was also a high school where you're learning these things. Yeah. No, don't it may, it's weird because it's Evelyn doing it, and there's clearly no teacher involved at all. Yeah, the 
this is incorrect. The stuff that the stuff that you guys did in auditions <laughs> makes sense because it's about being open to the process. Yeah. But you should you only get a couple hours a day to rehearse. You can't waste rehearsal time rolling around on the floor. Well, these guys were these guys apparently don't go to class anymore. They just rehearse and the plays up in a week and a half. Also, Tony's the choreographer. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin needed a choreographer, so I guess Tony knows how to dance. She's also in the play, which, maybe. Have they shown that before that she knows how to dance? She was in the play last year. Was she? Yeah. Oh, I guess she was. She also is a cheerleader. Is she? <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll just put her in there. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, Tony's uh, choreographer, um, and... Oh, man, Cheryl is so upset about it. And when Tony tries to be like, all right, let's go through the Heather's uh, choreography. Cheryl loses her GD mind. We already know how the choreography. I took everyone through it last night, I guess, and just aggressively drilled into their head. And we're going to do it right now. I guess Cheryl made it up, but it's also what Tony wanted to teach them. So that's cool. So cue an angry versus dance, which I don't get. So it's Cheryl... And the other Heathers, so Betty and Veronica. Who... And, and I feel like clearly Betty doesn't care, but they're they're showing off the choreography they learned and last night. And two other girls who are wearing cheerleader outfits. Yes. Because, again, in this musical, they rehearse in costume. Uh, I from mean, day one. I mean, that, those might just be their home cheerleader outfits. But the Heathers are wearing their Heathers costumes. Mm, maybe they just had those at home, Aaron. Also, this is day one because stupid Kevin made them introduce themselves and what character they were playing, which is for the audience. I think that was the day beforehand, actually. Oh, so this is day two. I have no idea. Well, either they did the introduction, then Evelyn had them all lie down in the student room, then they went back to the uh, theater. Or day, it's the second day. Days are going by, Aaron. It's not how musicals work. <laughs> anyway, so Cheryl and people who are forced to do this yeah. dance against Tony and the Pretty Poisons, who I guess are playing the bad kids in the play. I don't know Heathers, so I can't really say what's going on. I also haven't seen the movie Heather, so I extra can't say what's going on. But it's them against them and sexy dancing, and Cheryl will not take Tony's instruction. And something about being welcomed to the candy shop? I don't know. I don't know. It happens. I don't know. Uh, well, Betty confronts Evelyn, as we said before. Evelyn makes a, uh, wow, real big decision. Yeah, she decides to throw a party that night. Yeah, so it's a pre-cast party. Yeah, it's a... It, I mean, she didn't have to say it's a cast party. She could have just said, we're going to have a pre-party because we're teens. But she does say, normally a cast party takes place on opening night. No, cast party takes place. She after opening night. Uh, Just so you guys know, cast parties take place on closing night when all the work is done. Well, I'll tell you right now, Aaron, I've worked on a film set where when they learned we were going to have a cast party, we just had one and then went to work the next day. So, the next day, but after the weekend. are somehow oddly responsible. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you figure out you aren't going to have a cast party, so you go and... So you you, have a party. You have it anyways. Anyway, Evelyn's going to throw a party that they should come to at the Sisters of Quiet Solitude and Mercy and Creepy Murder Times, and they should come in costume. Which, uh, I'm going to cut you off right there, Aaron, because I know you are incensed about this, but I'm going to tell you, we do not have the time. The world does not have time to to take upon the anger that you felt in this moment. We I have already made it clear to the audience. Yes. I'm going to uh, so we're going to say it right now and we're never going to speak of it again. Aaron is upset how much these actors are wearing their costumes outside the play 
And if we ever mention it again, you tweet Aaron. And I want you to know that if I ever see this in real life, I will come to where you are and I will take your costume away from you. All right. I have done it in the past. I will do it again. Do not wear your costume outside the theater unless you have been explicitly asked to. All right. We Now, before we get to this pre-party party, we do need to meet up with some adults. Well, one adult. No, a couple of adults. One baby adult. Because the first, well, the first scene oh, we have is scenes. Jughead. Okay. Is Jughead where he goes and talks to his dad and for his... some reason? I do not know what process brought Jughead to this scene because he gets in there and his dad's already busy and he's like, oh, sorry, Jughead, I just I got a call about things. Jug- Jughead's dad, F.P. Jones, yeah. the sheriff, I guess has already been collecting information for Jughead. No, he hasn't because this... No, because he says immediately, he's like, oh, well, here's the crime. Lots of pharmaceuticals stolen. Also... I don't really want to tell you about this. No, um, what this this makes sense. We were watching this while the party was going on, so there's some lines that might have not been picked up by one of us. Um, Jughead walks in and he says, "Who was on the phone?" And then FP then FP explains crime to him, <laughs> his son. That makes him seem like a better sheriff than I thought he was because I wasn't sure why he was reporting on crime to well, his son. I mean, that, that's why after he says, "Oh, it's a string of pharmaceutical break-ins," and not only that. Well, Tent City was ransacked, and... <laughs> and he says a trailer was stolen, but we immediately, and Jughead immediately realizes it's... Is their trailer. Their trailer. Which, I guess, their trailer was not in the trailer park, it was in Tent City, which was ransacked and then stolen. It makes more sense to me that their trailer was in Tent City, because I was wondering why they didn't live with the rest of the serpents. But they do. They do, <laughs> They're so. just the only ones in the trailer, because they're some sort of serpent gods, I guess. I guess. Uh... And Jughead comes up with a lie to get involved effectively, because he, can, he can't tell his dad that the reason he's looking after the stuff is because his mom's making drugs. But he's like, oh no, my past. Hey dad, you know how the serpents are depu- deputies? We'll go look for it. <laughs> he says me and the serpents, and I'm like, Jughead, you and the sheriff's deputies. <laughs> you actually have a legitimate reason to do this, <laughs> against all odds. Because Effie's willing to just be like... I don't care anymore. Yeah, I, I'm over it. I don't want that. But it means something to Jughead. And by His it means emotions. something to Jughead, I mean that he thinks there might be drugs in it. Because that'll be a roving... I will say that's like... This is just a Breaking Bad style thing. A really nasty move on his mom's part to <laughs> use his past... And she knows he's mad about the drugs. Yeah, but I mean, I think at this point we have to assume that she is somewhat sociopathic. This is a real slap in the jughead face. Yeah, I don't I don't think she she considers it as much of an insult as it actually is. She's just like, oh no, this makes sense. Why wouldn't I use this? She, it already belongs to me. She does seem hyper practical. That's true. I mean, in an impractical way, because she also is like, my husband has a well paying job, but I still gotta do drugs. She is very clearly a sociopath. <laughs> So with more adults, Veronica comes home. To change, so she can go to the party. And her house is more dour than usual. Her parents are just staring at her. They have news. They're glad that she's home so that they could tell her in person. And, man, I don't really know how to get into this other than just saying it, because it's something that I don't know how I feel about. I've never shouted at the TV more. The Lodges. Hermione and Hiram Lodge. Are separating. And in the words of Veronica, what? <laughs> in the words of me, what? 
This crime family is the worst crime family. The point of the crime family is the love can be lost between you, and you can do very bad but things you to stay each other. Together because of the crime, but you're a united front. But I mean, I guess they're not united. So, so Hiram's uh, going to go live in the five seasons. Yeah, he he reveals that, or I guess Hermione reveals that uh, he knows about the fact that she um uh she sold the sold drugs. The drugs. Which I'm like, of course he did. Your plan was the dumbest thing ever. And then you gave more money to the governor, which... Which we still don't know why. I also also thought we already knew that he knew this. Because I thought that was what the entire scene where... Because how did not know it? Because where she talks about how she burned them. Or no, she was talking about how she... I don't know. Well, he knows that Veronica burned them. So what? (laughs) So... uh... Okay, a lot of stuff happened off screen is the clear thing we're going to be learning here. But hey, so her parents are getting a divorce. And, and she I, is, we are indifferent. And she is devastated because this is, is the current theme of Veronica for the episode. Which is puzzling because like three episodes ago, she was living in Le Bon Oui because she hated her parents so much and didn't want to be a part of her family. Yeah. Yeah, Veronica's storyline is very complex and could be done very well with a lot more, uh, like, finely tuned gloves because working on it. right now it's kind of just back and forth, but we think what they're trying to do is that she loves her parents, but she hates the things they do. Yeah, which is a understandable thing that she's supposed to be like a, you know, she's a teenage girl who... Um, who her, I mean, her mom and her dad are crime lords, part of the mafia, maybe, maybe not anymore. And she loves them because they're her parents, and of course she loves them. She wants things to be the way that they were a long time ago, but she all, but she hates the current situation. But sometimes she also is very into the crime. The problem is that I don't know what Veronica's morals are. And I don't understand the journey she takes like i don't understand why sometimes she's okay with the things they do and in fact is very upset when her dad's in a coma and no one's doing his crime so she does so she does his crime like she's got to keep the the crime going but she's usually very offended and affronted by all of the crime but then later she steals his drugs and burns them so I just I can't take her emotional journey. Yeah, it rather than it feeling nuanced and, and complicated, complicated, it just feels very flip floppy. Well, speaking of her emotional journey, she takes her emotional journey to the Sisters of Quiet Solitude, Mercy, whatever it's called. Yeah. Into the suicide gargoyle drowning in the bathtub room. No, this is the Quad Mercy. It has a lot of fun spaces in it. There's the spaces where all those uh, girls were kept for so long and given drugs. Uh, there is the space down in the basement where Cheryl was forced to do hard labor until she was straight. There is the uh, crazy viewing room where, like, they could where they could watch movies until all the all the gay kids were straight. Uh, they chose these kids who were uh, having-, having a pre party. A party in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Chose the room where a lot of people died, and one person almost died. And, in fact, there is a girl there. And a guy. Who's, oh, in in the (laughs) the murder tub. No, there is a girl who, for her costume, has chosen to wear kind of a gargoyle headdress. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Her, I, she, I, she's here right at the beginning, and I almost forgot about her. 
She man, got confused about what the rules for a costume is. Everyone else is I, dressed up as if it's 1988. Yeah, I have, well, they're wearing the costumes from the play. She is just wearing her costume from the farm. Um, I need to, uh, we need to, for a second, just go over the highlights of this pre-party. Uh, starting with the fact that one of the first things you see is just two people, a guy and a girl, wearing, wearing a bathing suit, are surrounded by these fully clothed people, just, I guess, having a fun cold bath in the drowning tub where where they where they tried to drown alice which i don't Wh- understand why it's... is it there who what is the who filled th- it what is the thought process of these two people who were like hey i brought my swimming clothes just in case for this tub that clearly one person can fit in but we can both get in there somehow it's- not a hot tub there's no bubbles and it's just a cold metal tub and let's be clear they do not leave that for the party because why would you as soon as you leave you're gonna get even colder because it's winter and you're in a weird stone (laughs) gargoyle room so then the, the the party continues through and then they all dance around the room with the pedestal in the middle which i will remind you is the room where all those nuns killed themselves. Thank you for asking. Kevin sings a lot of song. Veronica and Reggie kiss. Sweet Peasy's Archie and Josie kissing. Uh, Evelyn maybe wants Cheryl to join the cult, which I thought would become a thing. Yeah, because uh, Cheryl sees Tony, and then... Cheryl is sad. And Evelyn just, like... Makes hey, her do the hand jive. Hey, Cheryl, come with me. But then that leads directly into um, Evelyn offering Kevin some brownies. With mushrooms from the farm. (laughs) Which clearly she's drugging him. It's a drugs brownie. Because Kevin goes to get some water from a fountain that's, I guess, like... uh, Also in the suicide room. Sure, I wonder what terrifying thing happened on that fountain. Because what he sees, what he sees, my friends, is Mitch, Midge pinned to the wall just like she was when she was murdered this is all your fault kevin and then she looks at kevin and she speaks and essentially says that yeah she she reiterates what is painted on blood around her now there is a brief interlude where veronica and reggie go back to the pembroke and have some sex because she's sad yeah reggie is very happy because they're having sex again Yeah, I mean, that's the crux of that scene, I'd say. <laughs> there's no subtext. There's nothing further. So, I we, I mean, we got through that, that pre-party party pretty quickly, but I cannot, uh, I cannot, I cannot clarify to you how much brain space this party is going to keep locked up in my head for weeks to come of all the unintended weird things about it. Look, because Kevin starts the song, but they all sing individual lines, and the lines... I mean, Veronica gets lines to say her name in them, so that's cool. That is cool. They were so excited when they realized (laughs) the main character of Heathers is called Veronica. And they... I mean, they work pretty well for her. Yeah, her lines are actually pretty Reggie's good. Li- <laughs> Reggie's lines are a little bit weirder. He says, how did I get so cool or something like that? How did that. I get so popular? Like... I guess he means with Veronica, but... <laughs> He's clearly seeing the lines of the nerd guy that Veronica hangs out with. I guess. It's, uh... They're doing their best. They tried really hard, and I'm sure they were very proud of it. So, I guess the... I almost want to say this maybe is part of Evelyn's plan. Though so many things happen in the party that are not within her control, that it's incredible to think this is part of her plan. Because the next day, right after the party... 
she has everyone sit down, I guess probably still a little bit hungover. In a circle, and it's a very bad circle, because if there's one thing I know about theater kids, it's that they're very bad at making circles. <laughs> I mean, they're also on different, some of them are sitting on risers. Accurate. And she's like, okay, guys, I want us all to do something that'll help us. And once again, I have seen a drama teacher do this exact thing. I think we should all say secrets about ourselves. I have also seen a drama teacher do this, and it's useful when you're learning acting techniques. It's not super useful when you're rehearsing a play. Well, none of these kids are actors, I will remind you. Where are the grown-ups, Kevin? <laughs> Where is the drama teacher? I don't know. why. <laughs> where is the faculty supervisor? I can't believe they have an insisted one after last year where someone after died. The murder? Where is the gym teacher who doesn't want to have to teach drama but he's stuck being there all they have to do is cut to the back where coach where coach clayton is just sitting there just like i'm here i guess this is how drama works this is what i'm doing now (sighs) okay so time for secrets reveal secrets and unlike in actual world where everyone's just sort of like i don't know like uh i I drank alcohol once kevin (laughs) who doesn't need to reveal a secret because he's the director (laughs) oh he He's sitting right beside Evelyn, and she's like, we should all tell each other a secret. I have a secret! <laughs> I've been hallucinating dead midge all the time! Which I, which I don't mean, I don't know if that means she's been do, he's been doing it all the time, or if he did it once and is like, oh my god, all the time. But then that immediately brought, there's just a sequence of events here, so he says that, which prompts Fangs to say that, oh, I've also been seeing midge in nightmares, which makes Evelyn go, Awesome! Because I forgot that he was dating Midge secretly behind Moose's back. You forgot that? When he was the assistant director of the play last year. That's why he was stabbed. Or the stage manager or something. I don't. That's why he was stabbed, Aaron. You know, he was stabbed for a lot of reasons many times. Sweet bisexual boy was stabbed. So many people have tried to kill Fangs. So then that, I think, leads into Sweet Pea being upset. Being like, I also see things. (laughs) I I saw Josie and Archie kissing, and that made me sad. I saw Josie kissing Archie uh, under the mistletoe last night. And that made me sad, because I once kissed her, like, eight months ago. It was supposed to be just a summer fling, but I have sad feelings. And then Betty's like, what? (laughs) You guys are dating? And then Reggie's like... Veronica, you, is that why we hooked up? Because I'm like, what is? There's no way Evelyn could have thought any of this stuff would happen. And Evelyn's just in there being like, mm, excellent. Every, everyone it took the mildest amount of prompting. They're all they're all Archie. Archie's the only one who doesn't reveal a secret, which is crazy it's to because me because Archie doesn't realize that he and Josie are a secret. He thinks he has no secrets. So, so Veronica, so Reggie's like, oh, me and Veronica hooked up. Is that why we hooked up? Because you learned that your ex boo was dating Josie she's like no my parents are getting separated that's why we hooked up like what is happening and this is why you don't do this during play rehearsal you do it in controlled environment with the teacher and then like Veronica leads her head against Betty and everyone's sad but Evelyn is like great we all learned our connections to each other everyone's very sad which means everyone needs help I am help that that's what I mean by, like, this is clearly part of her plan, is that she's trying to, like, she's trying to just rile up everyone's emotions yeah. together. She doesn't know far. what their secrets are. She just knows they're teenagers who have secrets. And this is one of those, like, Batman gambit type things where she's like, I'll do this thing that makes no sense and maybe it'll work out in my favor. If it doesn't, eh, who cares? It was just one rehearsal day wasted. Tomorrow I'll make them massage each other. No massage train. Ooh. Massage circle so that no one get le- gets left out. 
their circle will be bad, but they can still massage. So this leads to two separate but equal relationship talks. First between Archie and Josie. And I want to point out the scene starts with with Josie stealing a bunch of Twinkies from like the green room. Yeah, good business, uh, actress who plays Josie. <laughs> Why she decided to steal Twinkies, I don't know, but I like it. They don't mention about it, but Archie does come up and it's like, hey. So can we actually date now? <laughs> I didn't know our relationship was a secret, but it is. Why is this a bad... He's like, I don't care about Sweet Pea. Why is this a bad thing? Can we please just be boyfriend-girlfriend? And Josie's like, my emotions are complicated. Meanwhile, uh, Reggie and Veronica also have the relationship talk, sitting separate from each other in the audience. And Reggie's like, so... This is not great. Yeah, he's like, oh, so so we were just hooking up because of your parents. And Ronka's like, yeah, I know. It's it's, it's sad. And but I need you. You make me feel better. Can't you just make me feel better? Then Reggie places himself up as the best person on this show when he turns to Ronka and goes, this is not a good time. <laughs> I'm very sorry that your parents are separating. That really sucks. You definitely should not take out your emotions on my dick. And I'm like, oh, Reggie! And then he leaves. He walks away. Never has a 16-year-old boy been more mature. And, and like, you can see it running in the head. Like, wait, why didn't that work? What? <laughs> what? We didn't even have sex one last time. That's what we did with Archie. Never has anyone been more self-possessed. And Reggie leaves. And he's, I mean, he's... And he's gone! And he, yeah, he, we don't have a moment where he, re- he reappears via Veronica would be like, Veronica, I changed my mind. Because that's not what the story's about. He's barely in this episode after this. And I'm like, yeah, Reggie! How did he make a mature grown-up move? Speaking of that, do you want to say you're the least mature grown-up move? Because that goes right to Cheryl in the... In the bathroom. Her, where Evelyn has teleported behind her and she creeps on up and goes cheryl you you should see what's happening in the hallway now I nothing mean, I, is happening in the hallway now, i i do we we thought so maybe 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 evelyn was trying to like convince cheryl to join the the cult uh, i will say in this scene uh, cheryl gives nothing to evelyn thinks she's super creepy and what evelyn is doing here is snitching on tony because tony has dared to wear red clothing to school. And not just wear red, wear all red. She has a slutty red top on and some tight red leather pants. And Cheryl is incensed and her and says that, well, she snaps her fingers to put musical magic into some girls behind her's brain. Has step up behind her. And thre- says that Tony needs to leave, leave school? By Monday... Or else something. something. <laughs> Not clear what Cheryl thinks would happen because I can promise you, Mr. Weatherby will not be like, you can't expel someone because they wore a color of clothes. What? What? <laughs> what? Cheryl, I know you're the student body president. Cheryl, do you know what you are? <laughs> do you know what your what your title infers? Because not that. Cheryl, Cheryl, do you, can you explain to me what you think you are? Because <laughs> you're not that. You seem to think you are the principal. I'm the principal. I'm you, Principal Weatherby. You plan prom. I plan everything else. Principal Weatherby, now do your murder play. Now, to be fair, I do know that student body presidents do more than just prom, but... But that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, 
this makes Tony obviously upset enough to enter into a song about something. That very clearly starts the line, Monday. She says, be gone Monday. Which is, is makes me feel that's the only reason why Cheryl said gave she that said. threat is so that that threat would make sense in the song. Well, Tony sexy sings and sexy dances and grabs a random pretty poison. <laughs> and we spent this entire song trying to figure out what she was doing because she grabs a pretty poison. Kind of sexy dance with her. Then grab sweet pea. And cut. But she's not even like, it's like she's sexy dancing and they're like her backup dancers. Like she's doing a Bob Fosse routine. Yeah, and then she brings them to, I guess, the theater where no one ever is. Because there's no drama classes in this school. They just no have drama a, teacher. They just have a theater, which I like to point out looks like a cathedral because they have those windows on both sides. Which are not great for a theater because you want a theater to be dark. Yeah, no, it sounds like this theater sucks and you can only have plays when it's dark which i guess they a lot of them would be probably in winter so uh then she dances for a while and for, for the first thought i'm like so she brought them there so they would watch her dance but then they start taking their clothes off <laughs> and tony very obviously does it and also they're on the middle of the stage <laughs> and then she sees them and then and then they're and they're very excited for what's about to happen both of them are like yeah this is gonna be what's going on i'm we're naked now. i'm not fully naked they're wearing clothing <laughs> they're wearing well, tank tops and shorts well <laughs> well the pretty poison is wearing kind of like a sexy undergarment but sweetie's just wearing a brown shirt and <laughs> boxer briefs and, it, and he's breathing really heavy <laughs> They're very excited for whatever's going to occur. And then Tony looks over and imagines Cheryl sitting on the window singing something. And then goes, sorry, guys, I can't have public sex with you in this auditorium. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. And then leaves. And my only solace is hoping that Sweet Pea looked at the boys and said, do you want to like go to like the dressing rooms? And she's like, "Yeah, okay." It's like there's so many of them. <laughs> what? what an insane process that happened to not even Tony. Those two people who she grabbed, brought to the theater, said nothing to, and then they just both took their clothes off. Well, and not like that because of the ending where she goes, "Sorry, I shouldn't have done this." Makes it clear that that was not non-diegetic. That happened. The singing might not have happened, but Tony did that. <laughs> it makes no sense. She brought two random people to an auditorium. They took off their clothes and then she left. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I love musicals. I love musicals. <laughs> Aaron. Hey, Kevin. So, we're trying to figure out what we can do to sort of break up the beginning and the end of our show. Yes. And I think what we ended on is, what did you find this week that makes you happy? What made me happy this week? Or what's a cool thing you found? We figured we figured that, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Riverdale or the OC, but there's a lot of other things in our lives, so, I don't know. Well, let's share some of those. And, and the things that we watch are kind of crazy, and we can't figure out if we like them or not. Uh, I like the OC. But... I like the OC. Do I like Riverdale? Nah, who knows? Who knows? Am I glad I'm watching it? Who knows? Who knows? But what are you glad about? Well, I mean, obviously, I've talked about Come From Away already, so I'm not going to go to that one. Yeah. 
I watched this is like a very basic thing, but I yeah. watched the Try Guys video where Eugene decides to rank the twelve signs of the zodiac <laughs> from best to worst. <laughs> Based on thoughts? Well, he has a friend and his friends vary into astrology, so they talk about each sign. And he ranks them. And then he ranks them. I love that. What, what do you know? What remember? Or no, it's not reveal what he put at the top because it's just us telling people the things we found. Yeah. So uh, almost like a signal boost for the try guys. Like the try guys needs our fans. Don't worry, the thing I'm also going to say is does not need a signal boost, but but I liked it. It was very charming. Yeah. All right, Kevin. What about you? What brought you joy this week? Well, on uh, Friday uh, was released. The newest game from From Software called Sekiro Shadow Side Twice, which was not Bloodborne 2, which is what I wanted everything to be. <laughs> right. Uh, but I've been having a lot of fun with it specifically because if anybody likes Dark Souls, it feels a whole lot like it. So it brought back to all, me all this because I love their series of games. Mm. Do a lot of. And you've played Dark Souls a couple times, right? Oh, so many times. Um,. And the way, and like it's got it's a little bit less than the storytelling, which I like, which is where this sort of esoteric. Mm. Storytelling mm-hmm. where like you're learning about things as your characters are by them trying to figure out the greater world. And there's a little bit of that in there. But mostly it just feels good. You can like jump in it, which was it seems like we're like, oh you could jump in it. You can't jump in Dark Souls. <laughs> a is used to dodge. And you can do like a hop over small spaces, but this one you can jump and use a grappling hook and and you love grappling hooks. I like games that I like games that give you good movement. Like there's a lot of, there's some of the games that put it like, oh, we got a horse in this game. I hate games with horses in them. <laughs> horses are the least fun form of movement. That's fair. So you would not want to play Jazz Horse, no. which, from what I understand, is a game about a horse. I don't know what that game is. <laughs> anyway, so I guess the things that made us happy were two very popular things. Because <laughs> we are the most basic Canadians ever. So try guys and Sekiro. Shadows die twice. I will uh, tweet out some links to those very popular pieces of media. Maybe in the future we'll try to find things that might, I don't know. We don't know what this segment is. We'll figure it out. I liked that video, though, and you liked that game. And that's all that matters. So we have a very short little scene where Jughead sends the serpents out on another mission, and this time their mission is to find that trailer. I'm starting to, I understand that it's kind of just a shorthand, but I'm starting to not like that all Jughead does is go to like serpents, like Sweepy or Fangs, like, hey, guys, do stuff. And then later in the episode, they come back being like, hey, we did stuff. And I have no idea really what happened. Like, I understand when you can't put a whole lot into them like, solving things and finding clues, but I don't know. It's I'm sure one day when they have something important to solve, Betty and Jughead will go on the journey themselves. I feel like this is important to solve because those ones also found out um, Jughead's mom was uh, was selling drugs. And then they f- later find out where the trailer is that she's selling drugs out of. And I feel like Jughead, I feel like that scene where Jughead, where like learning that his mom is selling drugs would be cool. Like in the in the first season when... Veronica sees, or someone sees Hermione give the money to FP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we saw that. that yeah, was but, us. but someone else also saw it. That's the entire point. Is that like, I th- well, Kevin? One, they don't want to tell us things we already know. Two, if they had shown the serpents investigating or Jughead investigating, it would have taken precious time away from Tony dancing in front of Sweet Pea and random pretty poison. 
Okay. And he's, didn't have that. So, well, Jughead sends these uh, these boys off. Betty comes to borrow a camera because she's heard about something. Well, she tells Jughead about the party, and she's like, they're doing stuff in that creepy suicide room. I need a camera. There's a, there's a second secret party going on tonight that I am suspecting is happening. And uh, it is. It's <laughs> the baby uh, cult farm members wearing all white. 3D glasses. Singing a song from Heathers. Well, Fangs and Kevin sit, kneel, facing each other between all, I mean, they're all facing each other. It's like, it's like two rows. Yeah. It's like a thrust stage. Yeah. And so they're facing each other and Evelyn's like standing over them, like. Being creepy. Very like deific or very like, you know, sermon-y, pastor-y. And they sing a song and do weird hand motions with their hands. I'm just going to say it right now. This entire uh, scene right here has made me hate the farm. <laughs> it made it so much less creepy. And just kind of weird. And it also made me think that Evelyn's only plan is to make <laughs> hot boys kiss. Yeah, like I, like, I understand like, sort of the premise of the scene. He's like, oh, now Fangs is in the cult. But mostly it does look like Evelyn's just like, now these, <laughs> now these hot boys kissing. <laughs> yeah. Before Evelyn had a farm... She just wrote a lot of slash fiction. <laughs> now she's playing it all out. It's weird. I, I don't, don't know love why. it. I don't know why they're wearing 3D glasses. Uh, you were trying to figure out maybe they're just wearing, but they're like paper. They're, yeah, they're. they're de- <laughs> I thought they were um, sunglasses, like those white-rimmed Oakleys. But here's the thing. I was figuring either they're 3D glasses or they're those, those Eclipse glasses. Well, they're definitely one eye's red, one eye's blue. So <laughs> them's 3D glasses. Yeah, What? A, that's a... Weird call to make, Evelyn, ever, never. Well, speaking of weird calls, Archie is practicing bo- boxing alone in one of the two gyms he belongs to. <laughs> I'm assuming the gym he owns, because one, it is very messy, and two, why wouldn't he? And three, no one else is there. Until Josie arrives. Ooh, and Archie is like, hey, Josie, can we just, like, be honest teenagers and maybe have some commitment with each other? Yeah, and let's... I'm going to sing a song at you about how I'm willing to fight because we're in a boxing gym. Get it? And Josie's like, ooh, someone's going to fight for me? I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they sing a song about fighting for someone. And they're, now they're good. And now they're good. I, I guess. guess. That's that's the scene. Seemed to end happy. Yeah. Uh, Betty brings her evidence of the weird cult to Weatherby. And he is blandly indifferent. Yeah, he's like, it looks to me like they're rehearsing, which seems like a very weird thing to say until... There's definitely not that scene in Heathers. And definitely that's not what rehearsing looks like. But then he learns that, no, I I said that their cult was... The cult, I said that the club was fine because I read the their, read their uh, all their uh, doctrines by Edgar Evernever, it's... and I very much like them, and Betty's Betty. Like, oh, no, why are there no... F- reasonable adults he, in my life yeah, he doesn't say he's part of the cult but he definitely is like but you know you it's know. good betty what is so wrong in mr weatherby's life that he's like i need a cult well you know his uh business selling drugs went poorly <laughs> all the other people are selling drugs much better i'm always just a preach uh, approach teenagers with a briefcase <laughs> mostly just want archie andrews to buy them I just had all that blue meth. I could never work up the courage, though, to ask him. I just hoped he would ask me what was in my briefca- briefcase. <laughs> I want a song of Mr. Weatherby singing a song from a musical about pining, but it's about him wishing he had the courage to ask someone to buy drugs from him. 
And he opens up his briefcase and he looks at them sadly. There is some, like, song from a musical that's about pining after someone. That, that we I, could make work. I'm sure that you could just by putting, not even changing the words, just changing the visuals around it that make it seem like he's just like, I wish I could convince this person to buy drugs from me. You could do I Don't Know How to Love Him from Jesus Christ Superstore. Superstar goes, I don't know how to love him. What to do? How to move him? I've been changed. I mean, that's... yes, really changed. <laughs> I mean, that that's an option. It does uh, work. Man, All I, right. <laughs> I, I want to do drug dealer the musical. <laughs> so we have um, a very dumb scene where Cheryl is being very dramatic on her bed, wearing the most epic robe that has ever epicked. Yeah, I don't know what led up to the scene. I imagine Tony arrived there, and then uh, Aunt Grandma Rose let was, her in. I was, was like, like, "Oh, where's uh, where's Cheryl? Oh, she's upstairs." Pining. Lounging on her fainting. I'm, she's her not fainting, on her fainting bed. Yet. Her fainting bed. Much different from her sleeping bed. And Tony was like, hmm, should I bring tea up then? <laughs> and Grandma Rose was like, I would recommend that. <laughs> I don't care what you teenagers do. <laughs> so Tony brings up some tea and Cheryl goes, oh, you're here to poison me. And Tony's like, I'm clearly not. No, it's like, it's an olive branch. And he's like, ah, oh, but Cheryl... I don't even know what we're fighting about. I'm like, because Cheryl was abusive and obsessive and didn't want you to go out. Didn't want you to have your own life. Just wanted you to be locked up in the house, which is not a basis for a healthy relationship. Yeah. And then Cheryl, the and the only like explanation Cheryl gives is like, I was so sad after my brother died. And then you came and I was not sad anymore. And Tony's like. Cool. I guess I'm your therapist. <laughs> yeah, Tony is like, oh, no, but I'm not going to leave you. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, oh Tony, no. No, this is no. not what Cheryl needs. We need Reggie. <laughs> Where's Reggie? We need Reggie going to swing in at me like, Tss. Cheryl, I see you want Tony, but right now, that's not what you need. <laughs> then he grabs Tony with one arm and swings out. <laughs> Tony, you're not Cheryl's therapist. You don't have to take on her trauma onto yourself. Don't carry that emotional baggage. You can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And Cheryl does not want to be helped. Because Cheryl is perfect the way she is. Uh, speaking of less than perfect, Jughead and Betty go and they find the trailer, which is now a drug lab. And Jughead... And also still has a bunch of, like, knickknacks around it, which so means... So they did a very bad job. They literally <laughs> moved into the Cooper's house with the Cooper stuff in the house. I, but we saw the thing, some of... I guess she was leaving a lot of it there. I, I also just feel like that maybe a lot of those knickknacks came with the trailer. <laughs> Jughead they, was like, I guess these are ours now. When they moved in. I would like to say the Jughead said, said, said it's that's been our life for... 11 years. Did you say 11 years? I thought so. I thought you just said years. Oh. But, but like, it's... I don't know. It didn't feel like it was that long. I'm like, how long have you been living in the trailer for? What is... Because there's only two bedrooms. I assume they had a house before she left, and then they moved to the trailer. Because remember, Jughead started living in the... Jughead has to have lived in the north side at some point. Well, also Jughead lived in the uh, the school and at the drive-in. But FP lived in the trailer still. Anyway. Anyway. He's very sad. Yeah, and then this leads into another song. Well, which... first he says, how did we get here? And I'm like, oh, are they going to sing Rent now? <laughs> how did we get here? We're not doing... How the hell pen left close in the steeple Yeah, we're not the doing church. Heathers anymore. Now we're just going to do, do Rent <laughs> 
we're doing, we're doing Heather's. We're also just putting one song from Rent in there. I'm Kevin. I think that that I think that is splendid. It's a great idea. We're gonna put one song from a random musical in here. It's gonna make the musical better. I would not be a hundred percent surprised if Riverdale was like, we gotta get one song from another play in here. How do we do that? Just do it. <laughs> it's fine. Well, we just we couldn't think of a song from Heather's that fit this moment. It's fine. Just pick anything. Just do you the one from Rent? But actually, what it is is that Kevin says the Sweet Bee and Josie. Well, now with the seventeen, it's the it's he pretty much says the audience. This is the emotional climax of the episode. So Sweet Pea and Josie are going to sing it, except for they don't sing it, and no. instead Betty and Jughead sing it. And so, it fits pretty well, yeah, honestly. Because Jughead, like I said, how do we get here? What do we do next? And Betty goes, "Well, I have a crazy ideal idea." <laughs> and I was like, "Burn the trailer down. <laughs> Let's be normal." Yeah. And, and it's actually really cute and really sweet because, and, like, very in character for them. Because, you know, with Betty being the son, or the son, the daughter of, I was going to say father, and then yeah, yeah. the whole thing's Serial right. killer and cult member. Yep. And Jughead's mom being a drug dealer. And, and his dad being, like, a pretty bad dad for a short period of time. Yeah. And now at this point, he just wants to protect his dad from his mom. So that, that is fine. The show is finally recognizing that they're making teenagers do things adults should do. Yeah, and it's, it's a good moment. And for some reason, I never, Betty and Jughead never really bothered me with it too much. Until. Anyway, it cuts, intercuts with Tony and Cheryl, which. <laughs> also singing the song. And as I was thinking this, Aaron said it, which the only word that we, we can use to describe the scene Ugh. Cheryl has the craziest <laughs> crazy eyes while she's singing. Yeah, I don't know if that's on. If it's on purpose, good. If it's not on purpose, I'm very sorry, Madeline. Yeah, so uh, they, they sing through the song, and then Jughead, as later as they're trying to be normal, is uh, like, "I got an idea. What if we steal the trailer during the play? Everyone will be distracted. I'll just st- steal Archie's dad's truck." Yeah, and the, really, the, what the kind of comes down to is because Betty's like, "Oh, can't you just like let it go?" And I'm like, I, that works for a lot of problems. Like sometimes in in these teen dramas, be like, maybe this is one of those things where you just let it go. It doesn't work so well when your mom wants to be the drug queen pin, of- and she's using your former home. To make drugs because she's a sociopath. I mean, not so much that specifically that like ignoring the problem, ignoring this problem will make drugs run rampant in the city. It's true. <laughs> it's one of those consequence things. Meanwhile, in a scene that I guess is supposed to parallel this, Veronica also can't let things go, and she says, "Please, Daddy, come back home. Who cares if Mom tried to sell your drugs?" Then Hiram apparently they have to reveal things in steps because he's like, "No, because I know that your mom tried to kill me twice," and I'm like, "Oh, so Hiram learning about like the most important twist? It was done off screen. Cool, cool." cool job show i thought that would be a secret that when it was revealed would be like a oh my god hiram knows the truth but kevin if we had seen that we wouldn't have had time for big fun the musical number yeah so hiram reveals he knows about the murder attempts and then veronica sings and yeah actually we could have had him finding out instead of veronica's dumb song i don't know veronica sings and then she invites them to the opening night because you know that she's like it's not a parent trap but it's definitely a parent trap we just need one good memory left (laughs) it's the same way she broke up with archie where she's like i understand that we will still break up but we can have sex first i understand you two will will still separate but you can go to a play first i also liked how this started with kevin explaining her character's emotional state to her then being like oh 
Well, I say I don't need to explain it. I'm like, Kevin, she's not acting. Why can't any of these dumb kids understand the difference between acting in real life? Well, this leads uh, into the night of the play, and FB arrives home late. And he's all scratched up. Because apparently a fizzle rock junkie was playing G&G in the middle of the road, I guess, alone? I don't know what this game is. And he just tried to move this junkie is, on their way. Is playing G&G just a, just a euphemism for actually doing the drugs? Why are they just sitting there shaking dice over and over? Just, just so much dice. Just one dude alone in the middle of the road? Anyway, he got all scratched up, uh... Gladys plays very dumb. Oh, man, drugs. Drugs sure are terrible. And Jughead's like, we have to go right now. And he's like, why? Because like, Betty's in the play. She's going to be late for her call time. She, well, Jughead says, we can't, how about we go by her? Like, we don't need to go with you. We'll go by ourselves. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Betty needs to get ready for the play. She's a main character. Anyway, so the play begins. The lodges are there. Cheryl and Tony are back together. Ugh. I'm horrified by the amount of roses that are sur- that are surrounding Cheryl. Yeah, I guess Tony apologized. And the dressing uh, and, and rooms Ch- are all co-ed. And Cheryl allows Tony to wear red. Because she kisses her and the red lipstick looks so good, so they better get her that color herself. <sighs> Meanwhile, Betty and Jughead are covered in sooty. soot. And I'm like, what? did did they actually do it? Did they do my, did they hear me? Did they do my joke? They can't have done my joke. No time for that, Kevin. Kevin Keller is like, why are you so late for call time? The show is in 10 minutes. Get Chuck head cleaned up so he has his line and knows the song. Jughead is in the play now. Jughead specifically says, what? Line? I'm not in the cast. And then Fred's like, oh, you know, Kevin, he wants it to, he, he's changed. He wants, he wants it to- the finale to be a statement and he wants everyone to be in it. <laughs> it's what? just a costume change. But, it's just a line in a costume change. It's fine. I'm like, wait, he wants everyone to be in it. Jughead wasn't even cursor. He wasn't even like, like it wasn't even, he like wasn't even filming it this year. Yeah. I mean, like I understand if maybe he was like, I want everyone. I want the, the directors. I want the crew. I want every, all of these teams. And you know what that, I mean like, okay, cool. You know what? You're breaking down some sort of wall. And it's about high school. And we see at the and... end of the finale, they all take off their clothes and are in like their, or their costumes. And, and they become like, themselves. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? That'd be cool. Jughead wasn't related to the play in any way. But apparent, and apparently, little... wait, everyone needs to be in it. Kevin needs to be in it. Tony needs to be in it, in it. But she is wearing a costume, I think. So she might have actually been in the play. And then Jughead needs to be in it. And Jughead, he when he sings his line, he is infuriated. He has a solo line. Yeah, and, and his he... solo line is a new sheriff is in town. Yeah. So they they sing. The finale happens. Uh, that intercuts with the reveal that. Oh, yeah, they burned that trailer down and then had sex. And in case you were confused, it does show us the gasoline can oh, in the car. Yeah, you see the trailer and it rack pads the gasoline like we didn't get it. In case you missed it, they're going to show us that gasoline. In case you missed that the burning trailer was these two teens talking about the burning trailer and then having sex. Um, <laughs> they burned it down. <laughs> So they sing, and then you see all the adults, and I don't know what Hermione or Hiram feeling. FP is either really touched or super confused. Luke Perry Andrews is not there. No, uh, but I'll tell you who is there, because as the finale goes, it ends, and there's the last note rings through the audience. And then it's dead no, silence. No one starts clapping. And I'm like, God, these people, like, these parents suck. 
they should have been exploding to thunderous applause. One person starts clapping. And that and, person stands. And it's Edgar Evernever. Or, as Aaron shouted out, It's Chad Michael Murray! It's clearly Edgar Evernever because it's a person we've never seen before all dressed in white. But in case we're confused... It's also at Chad Michael Murray (laughs) with a beard. But Evelyn Evernever says, I knew my dad would like it. And then... Then, like, other people dressed in white, including Mr. Weatherby, like, all the farm people stand up, and they all clap, and they clap in perfect unison. And none of the other adults applaud the end of the play. No one else claps! And I guess, like, oh, man, it's creepy, because we see Betty, and she's like, oh, my God, the farm, look how many of them there are. And I'm like, why is no one else clapping? It's only weird, because no other adult here is clapping. And why wouldn't you start clapping? It wasn't that much of a statement. The kids just wore their own clothes. Like, I don't understand what the statement well, was. I don't know if this to be like, like, like they're in awe or something, but like, no, you're the, <laughs> how do these people even listen to the play? You're the parents of the kids. You start clapping immediately. Why aren't you clapping? Why are you bad parents? So I guess it's creepy that Edgar Evernever is there. I'm mostly upset that no one is clapping but the farm. I'm mostly thrown by the fact that it's Chad Michael Murray. He was born in 1981. He is five years older than me. How does he have a 16-year-old daughter? Because he has a cult. Oh, right. Cult baby. Mm. Cult dad is dad when he's 18. I don't know. What? No, Aaron. You don't, Aaron, <laughs> here's going to be the terrifying thing when you learn that he went to school with all the others. Uh, no, which he's means not 50. he's 50. He's not 50. It's impossible. <laughs> Also, I'm very impressed. This is very good casting because they keep bringing in people from teen dramas and casting Chad Michael Murray, also known as Lucas Scott from One Tree Hill, is very good. This is very good. I'm and, crying. And then the episode ends. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic leapt to its feet to creepily applaud at the end of the play, and it was drama? I did. And my moment is the fact... I'm stealing it. Yeah. The fact that Jughead is in that stupid final number. That's not my moment. There are a lot of moments in this musical episode. Surprisingly, this musical episode has a lot of moments where you have to choose drama over reason. Crazy. But yeah, so yeah, the moment how Jughead is in the final number. We have belabored it. I will not go into it more. He has his own solo singing line. Where is his microphone? Where he's angry. Who did his level check? How are people hearing him? Because there's no band in this musical, so they're playing amplified music. They're playing pre-played tracks. Yeah. So where is his microphone so he can be heard over the music? Magic. Who did his level checks? I already said that. Yeah. Um, where did this costume come from? Who taught him the line? How did he know how to sing it? Kevin made, let's be clear, Kevin made this choice pretty much the moment he saw Betty, and everyone hates him. And somehow Betty knew exactly what he was talking about. And all these tech people are like, the director came in and said, apparently, everyone is going to be in the ending number. Jughead is singing a solo line. And by everyone, I mean the choreographer, Kevin, Evelyn, and... I guess some guy named Jughead? Was he on the crew? No. no. Is any of the crew going to be in it? Is there a crew? Are we the only people here? Do we exist? And then they float off. Why are we doing this? Who, who's leaving us? <laughs> Is there a tech department? How do we know 
when to do our cues. There's no stage manager. There's no one. It used to be Fangs, we're, but he's in the play this year. We're just ghosts. They all were murdered during Carrie. <sighs> we did not mourn them, for we never mourn technicians. Because <laughs> they're just the brunt of everything in theater. Yeah. Uh... Kevin? What was your moment where drama just drifted off like those ghosts? Mine's a little bit of an extrapolation, but it was the <laughs> fact that uh, here's when Josie went to meet Archie at his boxing gym. I want to tell you, take you this entire sequence of events. Archie sent Josie a text message being like, hey, Josie, can we meet at the boxing gym I own? Then he started boxing really sweaty-like <laughs> so that when she arrived, he could be like, oh, Josie, you're here. I'm so sweaty. I'm you, shocked. I'm shocked he's not shirtless because... <laughs> I'm shocked it's, that Josie knew how to find this boxing gym. It's such, it's just a crazy, like, setup moment where he's like, hey, Josie, come over. Please, ho- I hope you come over. And then he started boxing me like, oh, man, she's going to be so impressed when I'm all sweaty here. <laughs> he wasn't just waiting for her. Maybe she was late and he got nervous and started nervous boxing. <laughs> <laughs> he was always alone in this boxing gym he owns, so well, who knows? Who knows? So that was another musical episode of Riverdale. I think it was better i mean the musical the last musical episode at least they didn't take like the (laughs) the uh, main villain of the musical and make him a hero because i mean heather's already is a weird pseudo Mm anti-hero thing like anti-villain type thing so like cheryl didn't start this episode likable and she didn't end it likable so well i mean and they they only connected the musical in the broadest senses of the musical like by taking the wide swaths of Here's what the musical is about. So here's how it re- it doesn't relate because the musical is so much about about high school, and they did like if this musical came up in the OC, I'd be like, cool, I mm-hmm. get it, I get the. But the thing with Riverdale is because it's so extreme and it's so over here, you could have taken a crazy musical and made it work. You could have taken Wicked. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, because it's all about good and evil. Yeah. And... No. Yeah. But no the, good deed but goes the problem, unpunished. The problem is doing a musical that's about, like, oh, high school in a show that is really not about, not high, about school. high school. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Uh, well, hey, so as we learned, so we have next week. Mm-hmm. And then... Two weeks off. Two weeks off, which I think we're going to finish up with the OC. We have, we have two more episodes in season two. Yeah. And then hopefully Riverdale doesn't take any more breaks. Because next week will be 17, then it'll be two breaks, and then 18. And this is only 19, 20, 21, 22, right? Yes. So it would be challenging for them to take a break. So hopefully they'll just push through. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we'll we'll see. But We'll figure it out. Man, we always do. Man, where is this season going? Like, I so guess there's only like five more episodes until the end. Yeah, I mean, I guess they finally revealed Edgar Evernever. I feel like that probably means that the farm is not going to be wrapped up in this season either. It's just going to be another layer added on top of Riverdale. Because that's a pretty big casting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe Chick will come back. But he looks so much like... No, he doesn't. For sure he is dead. Like, I think Hal confirmed he was... Hal's lied so many times, Hal though. is only lies. I cannot believe that Hal chased down that sprightly 30-year-old. We can't think about their ages anymore. <laughs> Chick is 30? Maybe FP is the one who throws the ages off and he just failed 
high school so many times. I, he was actually 25 no, and the rest I mean, of them were 16. I mean, Alice also does because if she had chick when she was in high school, she's currently 50. She had chick when she was, let's say, 15 for easy For math. easy math. She was more likely probably 16 or 17, yeah. but we'll say 15, we'll say 15, for, 15 for, for easy math. For easy math because that means when chick was 15, she was 30. And when she was 40, uh, when she was 50, chick he, was... 35. <laughs> Chick is like 34 years old. This cannot be. <laughs> Show. Why? Did you not? How did no one in the writer's room point this out? Unless we're missing something. I don't know. Are we bad at math? Oh, we can't keep focusing on their ages. Every single time we think about it, we find new things. It's just, oh, okay. Well, hey, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit rambly because, boy, did this episode take it out of us just Guys, watching it. I have never screamed so much at the TV. But, hey, uh, it seems like things are coming to an head. Finally, Edgar Evernever is revealed, which means he is a real person. And which he also good. might be 50. <laughs> he's not 50. He Either he's 50 or he's weirdly younger than them, which is also super weird. If he's 50, that means that I'm in my 40s. That means I'm 45. Mm-hmm. I'm not 45. I mean, he's a very he's a very youthful fifty. Oh my god! If they say Aaron, if they say he went to school with them, you know what that if he even <gasps> if, even if even if he's on the same grade as them, that, <gasps> that even if he was like a like he was a freshman when they are doing their stuff, <gasps> that still means he's near and on fifty. No. So either he has to not be there at that time, which means he's just a weird dude who appeared a couple years later and just took. I still think he, he, G&G has something to do with him. If it doesn't, I'm infuriated. Uh, well, let's we'll figure out about that. If you like this episode, you give us a rating, or view, a subscription on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or wherever you find us. And if you like our new center segment, please tell us on Instagram, on Twitter, both Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. And if you have more thoughts, if you can explain the ages of these characters to me, <laughs> please do so. On email at podcastmoa at gmail.com. Yeah, if you can send us like a PowerPoint presentation of some sort. I would very much appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But we'll Give see me a timeline. But we'll see you next week with more Riverdale. Ooh. Where can there possibly be to produce drugs now that the trailer is burned down? Who will run the crime now that the lodges are broken up? Now that Edgar Evernever is revealed, what him? Answers all this and more next week on Mystery Hearts and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>